0: Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. So open in your Bibles, if you would, the book of Proverbs. We're we're going to get further this week. We've made it all the way through seven verses, give or take, (coughs) uh, over the last couple of weeks. And so now we're going to really pick up the speed. And and you'll, be <laughs> and you'll be thrilled. And so, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Teach us by your word, Father. Teach us with your Holy Spirit the, the living power of, of your expression inside of us. We just thank you, Lord God, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, uh, Proverbs, again, we're talking about wisdom. I want to keep emphasizing the fact that there are no shallow spots in the wisdom of God. So as you read, and hopefully you are reading with us a proverb a day, and when you get to the end of this month, you will have read all of Proverbs. When you get to the end of February, either read three on the last day, or read a little bit more as you go, and you say, Well, I've learned that. I've learned what that one says. Again, I want to emphasize to you, there are no shallow spots. So the minute you think you've learned all there is to learn from a particular scripture, you've now made your own shallow spot. And and you need to keep studying those things up. Wisdom is a principle thing. It really is the ability by God, given to you by God, to regulate your relationship with what you know. How many ever done something that went against what you know? Right? You said, well, we can do this. We can get away with this. If you were young and did this, this is how your head worked, right? I mean, I mean in, in, in preacher land, you know, lots of times churches and people will argue over theological positions. But I want to tell you something. If your theology is wrong, God isn't going to strike you dead. I've been wrong a lot. And I'm still breathing. And if God doesn't strike you dead, doesn't mean you know everything He knows. So we need to just keep applying ourselves to the wisdom of God. Notice it also says, or we will learn, and I'm trying to give you these things in the head, it'll lead you to a satisfying relationship as well. When you have wisdom from God, obviously you're going to understand God better. Because sometimes His wisdom is not at all like ours. Right? Sometimes... He does things, and we ask for an explanation, and he's trying to give us a revelation. Wisdom is in the revelation, not necessarily in the explanation. Because, right, if you can understand God, God is just as smart as you. Come on, that's right. You say, well, I understand everything there is to do about this particular subject. Well, congratulations, your God is as smart as you. I don't want to be there. I do not want to be the smartest person in the room. Because there's two possibilities for that. If I'm the smartest person in the room, God left or I'm nuts. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Notice if you would then in the eighth. So, again, just as a means of explanation... As you read Proverbs, what you'll see is what looks to be certain kinds of instructions and things that happen. Three, four, five, ten verses of instructions. And then you'll get like six, eight, ten, twelve verses that, look, that read a little bit more like a story. That, that there's something there that he's trying to teach you. So you'll get examples of his wisdom and then you'll get examples of how to apply that wisdom. So in, in chapter number one, you, you get the, the wisdom part through seven verses, and in verse 8, you get the example. It's almost consistent throughout all of the chapters, if you'll just read it, that he'll tell you, here's how it works, this is what it is, this is how to see it, and then he'll give you kind of a a, a bullet point story. And that's what this is in verse number 8, basically through the end of the chapter. So notice it says in verse number 8, he says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. Now you'll notice that if you read back up, he's talking about wisdom, Oftentimes in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is given a personality. You get a her or him. You you get this this personification of wisdom. But when you get here, (laughs) now you have this, this group of instructions that come up. So look what it says. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Again, remember that this is written by a real person with a real father. So this is probably always accepted as being Solomon. Solomon's father was David. David was not perfect in his approach to God. Right? I mean, if we put David in New Testament theology, he really does need a Savior. Right? He looks over the the edge of his his, uh, um, palace and sees a woman bathing and, and, and you say, well, he shouldn't have looked. She shouldn't have been out there. That was common activity at that point. It was actually common activity for a king to kind of survey his holdings. See, the difficulty is not in the first expression of what you know. So, so if you are living in a castle and you know that your neighbor is an attractive woman and you know that she bathes at a particular time... The second time that you go watch is a problem. Wisdom doesn't put you on the roof at 6.35 p.m. when the girl's lowering herself into the bathtub. The first time may honestly happen as a mistake. The second time is the plan of your wisdom. So David wasn't a great guy in some aspects. And yet God speaks of him as a man after his own heart. Go figure. What happened in there? Obviously, he received the wisdom of God and passed it on. Hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Who was his mother? His mother was Bathsheba. She's the woman. She's captured by the king. The king sleeps with her and or rapes her. Your choice. He, they, they work together or David does it all by himself. She's pregnant. Uriah, the... The, the husband is one of David's kind of mighty men. He's leading the thing and David calls him home and and wants him to go in and sleep with his wife so that he doesn't have to take responsibility for what he's doing. But Uriah sleeps on the doorstep because he's a man under a charge. And so then David sends instructions with Uriah back to the front lines of the war. And they put Uriah in a, in a bad position and he dies. Now David is free to... Take this woman as one of his wives, or within the group of concubines, or however you need to. I mean, there are so many things in Old Testament kind of kingology that you just scratch your head going, Why did it seem like a good idea to have more than one wife? I mean, if you just bring that into today, I don't know who has the guts to do that, have more than one. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's entirely possible that, that we have a whole state full of them west. Of, and somehow they, they, they make it work, I guess. I don't know. I've never been there, and I've never had the desire to have more than one. Um, and, and so there you go. I don't know. And, and, so, and yet, in the midst of what these people went through, I mean, how does Bathsheba figure out that it's a good thing to stay with David? If she knows the story, the baby that they have dies. Well, how, Why does she stay? How does that make sense? Her husband was killed by her new husband. Her old husband was killed by her new husband. How she do that? So, and I'm reading between the lines, and maybe this is too much. But somehow, in the grand scheme of things, and honestly, you could say, well, did man do it? Did Satan do it? Did God do it? The answer is Yes man didn't cooperate Satan was involved and God said that the, the redeemer would come out of a tribe of which David is in the lineage of if God strikes David dead we got a problem because the, the Messiah is going to sit on the throne of David forever I mean we, we can kind of put that together after a few thousand years of history because we're so lightning quick amen then he said so hear the instruction Do not forsake the law of your mother. Now you can say, well, what's the law of your mother? (laughs) Keep in mind that the picture that wisdom paints is a picture of honor. If you miss this, wisdom can become self-serving. Okay, Let let me put this in terms you can understand. If you take the law of the New Testament... You can find places where the New Testament says women should keep quiet in church. You can find that women shouldn't do this and women shouldn't do that. And that you should be subservient. If you pick and choose your scriptures, you can make this into a pretty tough situation for gals. The wisdom of God causes you to hear differently and handle what it means to be married. The Bible says live with your wife in an understanding way. How many of you know that that takes a spiritual wisdom to do that? Thank you for your enthusiasm. You cannot do that and do things your way. I will tell you that your wife will resist your dictatorial commands... Because the Bible says that the husband is to be like Jesus is to the church. It's easy for there to be a joint submission if one partner is acting like Jesus and the other partner is submitted to Jesus. It's kind of easy to make that work. But your problems in your marriage and in your difficulty, when in your life difficulty, almost always come from a lack of honor. To honor the gift that God gave you as a spouse, it takes wisdom. Because occasionally, your spouse isn't going to do what you want them to do. In fact, they will resist you willy-nilly through certain issues. You say, well, that ain't the way it's supposed to be. The Bible says. And you'll pick your wisdom out of a misplaced single scripture. And you'll miss what God's trying to teach you. So again, when he says, hear the instruction and f- forsake not the law of your mother, there is an honor picture that he's trying to present to us. Now, notice what he says. For they, they what? The instruction and the law, of, the instruction of the father and the, and the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head. Now, we don't talk that way anymore, and very few of you, especially you ladies, would wear a hat to church as a grateful, graceful ornament. But if you've ever been in places where people wear hats, the whole purpose of that is ornamentation, and, and, and they're dressing themselves up. He's saying this thing that you're going to hold, the instruction of your father, and the law of your mother will be a graceful ornament on your head. Notice that it says that it'll be a graceful ornament, which means that it'll create attractive notification. Come on, how many of you have ever been in an airport or in a shopping mall and your attention was caught by someone who was dressed a particular way? I mean, I've been in airports where I see certain people and I would love to dress this way. I wish somebody would make clothes this way for me. But I see somebody in like a lime green suit and it's a full thing. And I mean, this guy stands out like a like a like a 150 pound lime, you know, walking down the deal. And he's walking there and he's got this fancy briefcase and you just can't take your eyes off of him. Who dresses? It's a graceful ornament. He's saying that these things spiritually will be like a graceful ornament. Now, if we get this into the spirit realm, and forgive me, I told you I was going to speed this up, and here we are taking 20 minutes to talk about the introduction to this part of the passage. If God gives you wisdom through the instruction of your father and the law of your mother, and it's a graceful ornament, who is the ornamentation for? Is it to attract your spouse? Is it to attract the world? No. It's recognizable and noticeable in the spirit world. Did you know that stupid happens naturally? And the, the devil goes fishing with bait that's attractive to you? If wisdom is an ornamentation spiritually, you will be forcing the enemy to come up with a new way to entice you. Because you're wise enough through the instruction, right? I was sitting around with some of my family recently, and, and one of the uncles said to one of the nephews, nothing good happens after 9 o'clock at night. He says, that's my bedtime. And so then the uncle said, well, then 9.30, <laughs> you know. Now, what were they saying? What were they passing on? That occasionally when you're 16, 9.30 and later is when stupid seems smart, They're passing it on, right? And so it's an ornamentation. Do you ever wonder why it makes sense in today's spiritual economy with some of these young people who are confused about what sex they were born? I just look at that and go, this is not a difficult thing. (laughs) I mean, stuff is different. I'm 65 years old. I've been married for almost 50 years. I will tell you that your parts are different. And it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. But when wisdom isn't used as an ornamental spiritual thing, people will, will lef, are left to their own wisdom. And so right now the wisdom of our world is if you think that way, it's okay. And so now people identify as whatever they choose that for this moment in time makes them feel good. That's not wisdom it's selfishness. Because the world has to revolve around you. The world needs a good dose of wisdom. And I'm sorry if, your kid, if I'm getting ready to step on somebody's toes. If your kids or significant people in your life are having a little trouble with this, somewhere the instruction of your father and the honor of your mother or the law of your mother got left out of this equation. We got parents going to bat for crazy. You say, I can't believe you're saying that. Well, wisdom approaches the creative nature of God differently than worldly knowledge and whatever feels good approaches it. I'm not going to apologize for saying these things. You say, well, you don't have anybody in your family. You don't know that. You do not know that. You don't know whether somewhere in my family is somebody struggling with that. You don't know. What are you assuming? You're assuming because I'm a pastor, I passed along the very wisdom that I'm trying to teach you. You don't even know that. You don't know that I've lived right. You have to trust that the spiritual ornamentation that has been given through wisdom is a reality in my life. Right? You wouldn't let me pastor if you could figure out whatever I've done is crossing your magic line. You would advocate to fire me over whatever. It happens all the pastor Terry's here. It happens all the time in our world where some pastor doesn't end up agreeing with the power whether it's real power or shadow power within their church and somebody gets kicked down the road. And because you can't move the dirt, I can tell you who's getting moved. It's the pastor. Pastors have a lot of trouble living up to the expectation. (coughs) A study was done a few years ago, and the average person expects for a pastor to work between 105 and 115 hours a week. And what happens is, how many hours should your pastor study? You go ahead and just, just work with me on this. How many hours should I study per service? You say, well, I don't know. What would it take? You know, it might take two or three hours. Okay, just keep adding. And how many hours should I spend visiting people? You Come up with the idea. Keep adding. And all of a sudden, you get down there, and you don't expect me to do everything, but you expect me to do what I can do in like 115 hours a week. No one ever asks how much time should the pastor spend Ministering to his family. And I apologize for Tracy and I's circumstance and the amount of time we've had to spend away during the week, mostly during the week, um, uh, to, to minister to our family. But, but, but that's not figured in if you have a 25-year emergency that sneaks up on you today. Right? You say, what's a 25-year? You've been dealing in your marriage... For a long time, I mean, don't raise your hand, but many of you have a single issue or two that you guys are kind of biting each other about. You've been working on that and you've been working on it for 30 years or whatever number of years you figured out. And when it comes to a head, you will call your spiritual leaders at whatever time it is going, "You got to help us. This things this things falling apart. It's been falling apart for 25 years." Want to know why? Somebody took leave of God's wisdom. ...as a direction to how to handle life. I knew you wouldn't like it. (laughs) It's a graceful ornamentation on your head... ...and chains about your neck. Now, I always struggled with this one, and I love Proverbs. But some of the language is just interesting. You know that if you put a leash on an animal, on a dog... ...when you jerk that leash... ...the dog comes wherever you jerk the leash right? I got a video last week or or this week of my two-year-old in Texas. They got a dog. I don't know what they were thinking, but they got four children and a dog now, a a Labrador puppy. And the two-year-old's got that dog by the, you know, and the dog is almost big as her and it's just a puppy and she got a hold of that leash and she's going like this, you know, running down the street. Well, who's doing the controlling? You know what that dog is doing, that dog is looking for something to eat off the ground or some place to go to the bathroom. That's all they do. They're smelling everything. They will pull you through a sticker patch so they can go to the bathroom. I just want to tell you something. Wisdom suggests that someone should jerk on the chain. Does that make sense? Man, this will preach. And what happens is the chain around our neck... Wisdom says we want God to take a hold of that chain. Because in the spirit realm, if I can tempt Kevin and find his soulish and spiritual chain. Now just just pretend with me, okay. Let's say that Kevin thinks it would be a good idea to do something anti-biblical or anti-moral. And as his friend, I'm the one. Now, this would never happen because he and I are so righteous. But nonetheless, (laughs) his friend grabs the chain of the spirit realm or of the soul realm and begins to pull him towards something that's not correct. It happens all the time. You have a spiritual thing inside of you and on your neck that allows you to be drugged towards the things that make sense to you. Amen. Wisdom recognizes that. Right? I have limited wisdom in a particular area that I've been made aware of. I didn't realize that there was a hunting season for rabbits. (laughs) Evidently, there is. You can't just kill a rabbit willy-nilly unless... You can declare it a nuisance animal, and then evidently you can kill it. I still have another problem that you all are aware of. I couldn't kill that rabbit if I stand on top of it. <laughs> but I will tell you, I will shoot at him 25 times because that's how many bullets my gun holds. And I'm shooting every one of them. If I pull the trigger once, I'm shooting everything in the, in the whatever it's called. I have a chain around me, around my neck, that's pulled by my lack of understanding. I had to think for a second. I actually went to the internet and found out, did you know that a 22 bullet goes like 5,000 feet a second or some crazy thing? It goes almost a mile. Now I know Grandma Gardner lives down the road. And it may not be a mile. So I know that if I'm gonna shoot my gun, I got to make sure that I shoot it in the rises about 25 feet right back there behind the church. So I know that if I can see the bottom of them trees, I got to be careful pulling the trigger because I don't know where it's going to go. And it's going to go a long ways before it falls out of the air. That's why when I see terrorists and people like that shooting their guns up in the air, I'm thinking that bullet's going to come down. And if it goes a mile in the air and it weighs an ounce or two, it's coming down pretty fast. I've heard it said that if you drop a penny from the Empire State Building, that it will embed itself in the concrete. I don't know if that's true or not, but I certainly don't want it hitting my head. But I have a chain around. See, you don't realize all of this because wisdom is a deep pool and so we don't, we don't we read this and go, well, what's that about? Graceful ornamentation on my head, change around my neck. You have a spiritual or soulish chain around your neck that'll be pulled on by things that are attractive to you. And God wants you to say, wisdom, what you've learned from your mother and father, need to be the thing that attaches itself to God's principles and pulls you out of trouble, not leads you into trouble. Amen. My son, verse 10 if sinners entice you, I mean I'm sorry but enticement is literally you making room in your life for the persuasion. If wisdom is your guide, there will be certain areas in your life that are closed down, the pathway is narrowed for the persuasion that's being offered. That makes sense? I got a couple of grandchildren that are close to driving age, and I got some that are driving, but, but anyway, every once in a while, you'll have them in the car, and they'll make comments about certain things that seem smart to them. And I was driving with one of them the other day, and he said, it's really icy, Papa. And I said, yeah, it really is. He said, well, you know, that if you spin out like this, you can just drive on that other side. Uh, no. No. That's a bad deal. Because if you're driving on the other side sooner, because it was empty at that point, you know, that's all he could see was the right now. And it was very slick, and I was sliding up to a stoplight, and it was red, but there was nobody on the other side of the road. He said, well, you can drive over there, you know. And he said, if that doesn't work, you can just let the eyes spin you around. I'm going, if that ever happened to you, your eyes would be bigger silver dollars, and you wouldn't want to ride with me again. Because you'd learn real quick about centrifugal force and how that spin throws your head against the side of the window. Why'd you hit my head, Papa? Because that's what you wanted to do. Are you tracking with me? So he says in verse number 10, if sinners entice you, see, if you recognize that somebody is pulling on the chain around your neck in the wrong direction, that's the enticement. You make room for the persuasion. Right? None of you Woke up with an addiction. You were enticed. You had an addictive area, a persuadable area in your life. If you've ever talked with somebody who has an addiction and said to them, you need to stop that. And they will say to you almost without fail, well, you know, I'm still in control of this. No, you're not. No, you're not. If you're in control of it, set it down. (coughs) Excuse me. So, don't let sinners entice you. And then look what it says Do not consent. You have never been drugged into an activity, placed in a position of sin, without you saying yes to it. Sorry. You agreed. You say, No, I didn't. Some, listen, if I said to you, Would you please let me control you? You'll go, Well, no. Because see, if I can control you, who's going to benefit if I can control you? Me. Because I'm going to ask you to do and be things that I'm pretty sure I need. Right? Wisdom says, no greater love has a man than he lay down his life for his brother. I'm not supposed to control you, I'm supposed to lay my life down for you. And by the way, none of you deserve my death. As a human, And yet, what does God ask us to do? Lay down our life for each other. Sacrifice on a regular and purposeful benefit because of wisdom. I know, see, now I got way into your stuff. And you're going, well, I didn't know that was in there. And I didn't believe it that way. Listen, you have to consent. Wisdom says no. If your schedule is too busy, stand in front of the mirror practicing no. Put your tongue on the top of your mouth, n- make the n- sound, <laughs> and then make that kind of, kind of open O thing like they do on the comedy no. Practice, because you have to consent outside of wisdom to be enticed. Amen. If they are you seeing the story, see, they gave you seven. Verses of instruction, and then he give you this story that'll help you. How do you process this? Look at verse number 11. If they say, where'd this come from? Somebody said, there are going to be people who think it's a good idea to do thus and so. And they're going to say to you, you've said this to your kids. If somebody offers you candy to get in their car, don't get in their car. I had another one of my grandchildren. I was walking one day with them. And I said, look at that over there. And he looked up at me, he says, Papa, have you ever heard of stranger danger? (laughs) Now, somebody had taught him how to see what he was seeing. And he had determined that that situation was potentially dangerous. And somebody had taught him how to process that and go the other direction. What happened? The wisdom of his father or his mother imparted to him, pulled on his chain before he was ever in the position to make room for the persuasion. If somebody ever says to you, look at my puppy, I've lost my puppy. You got to teach them things like that. Where does that come from? We live in a world that's full of crazy people. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Man, you mean to tell me they're asking you to kill something? Okay. The devil's spiritual MO, kill, steal, and destroy, is something you say, well, are they talking about literally killing? Well, maybe. But how many of you know that you don't line up to be a murderer? But you might think it would be okay in that picture to kill somebody else's heartfelt desires. How many of you graduated junior high? Okay, good. Some of you didn't raise your hand, and it's clearly evident, but nonetheless. <clears throat> if you were in junior high and you were in the right group, to stay in that right group, you killed the personality of individuals who weren't like you. you if I was that person. I was that person. I know what I'm talking about. People need to, I could not understand. I had a group of people in my school that wore pliers. (laughs) What do you need pliers for? You know, I mean, you're wearing them on your belt. And I'm thinking, you got to take something apart with them pliers or what? You know, they were just weird. And so, you know, you know how this works. Come on, don't look at me like you've never done this. And so the people with pliers were on my radar. There were another group of people that wore slide rules. What are you doing with that? You know, and then they would. They would. I coasted through advanced math because the teacher evidently liked me. Now, some of it just made sense to me. And did you know that in the back of most advanced math books are sine and cosine uh, amounts? You can just look back there, and if it says the sign of such and such, you just open the back. You do not need a slide rule to figure that out. It's in the back of the book. I just opened the book cosine of such and such, you know, whatever. And you look back there, and, and doggone if there isn't what that means. Because it's a book. How many of you know the slide rule, folks? If you wore a slide rule and a pocket protector, and pliers, well, most of the slide rule people had in the same spot where the other people's pliers were. Right? And I'm thinking, Man. You people are weird. Do you know that they thought about me as being weird? Because, see, I was in the other group. I was the athletic group. So I smelled a lot like a locker room pretty much all day long. (laughs) Because P.E. was not physical education. It was a time to dominate people who weren't as good as you. We had P.E. when I was in school. We played dodgeball with girls. Man, I'm telling you what, there's nothing better. In fact... One of my friends who was left-handed when we were playing against the girls, they made us put socks on our right hand. They forgot he was left-handed. He's just smirking the whole way through. So he's zinging curveballs at the girls. And, of course, we can't stop ourselves from laughing. Kabam! It hits a girl in the head. (laughs) You know, and we're laughing and having... How many of you understand that it's not just... About murdering someone. But rather in the course of life what happens is we kill, steal, and destroy. We literally enter in to the, pers- per- to the persona of the enemy through a lack of wisdom. Everybody tracking with me? Did you see that the pool of wisdom just got really deep? Did you see when you're watching TV and you're, you're X number of years old and somebody is saying something politically or morally that you don't like and you begin to say things that line up? with the personality of the enemy, that you've taken leave of wisdom? You've made it about flesh and blood. Well, amen. Notice it says, let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Bullies pick on people that are weaker than them. Well, amen. It says, let us swallow them alive like Sheol. Now, I don't have time to, to, to give you all of this, <laughs> but Sheol was a name for the Old Testament's hell, the unrighteous side of hell. There were two sides. You can see it in Luke chapter 15. The rich guy went to one side, the beggar went to the other side, called the bosom of Abraham, and they spoke across a great gulf. Go read the story. There's other places. David, in fact, said, thank you, Lord, for redeeming me from the lowest part of hell. You know, you got to look for these little hints about what's going on there. But wisdom knows that the end result of what you're doing when you're kill, stealing, and destroying in the personality of the enemy, wisdom knows that hell is the end result. See, and so we're not tempted by that. Verse number uh, 13, he says, we will find all kinds of precious possessions. That's the stealing part. Do you see it? That's the stealing part. Let's get through some of this. Verse 14, cast in your lot among us. This is the legal charge of aiding and abetting. Where you hook yourself to somebody else's stupid. Make sense? Wisdom says, flee, run, get the heck out of there. Most of us want to stay and watch what happens. Run, do not become a part of this. See, that's how come wisdom gets deeper and deeper. You say, well, how are we going to witness to those people? Do you understand that the the crazy people of the world in Jesus' time came to him? Why? Because he was attractive. Why was he attractive? Because he wasn't judging them. But the religious people who they ran from were judging them all the time. Huh. Things haven't changed in 2,000 years. Notice what else it says. It says, "Cast your lot; let us all have one purse." I'm always amazed when people join cults and give every, give all their money away. I just have. Are you kidding me? You're going to and they promise to take care of you. I um, mean, you don't see the ignorance in this. Wow, you know the person at the top of the feeding trough in that situation has all the money. That's, not very, that's just not very wise. Amen. Verse number uh, 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. There is a recognizable path that the lack of wisdom cuts. That makes sense? He says, don't walk in the way. Don't walk on that path. Verse number 15, keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil. Do you know that you could save yourself a lot if you just slow down. If somebody is running towards something, oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. You might want to just tap the brakes for just a second, right? I mean, I got all kinds of examples to this that just don't make any sense to me. But nonetheless, it's really a personal opinion that comes from me, and I'm not running swiftly to that. I may be forced at some point, for reasons that I can't quite get my mind around, to be a particular different way. But right now, I have strong opinions about those things. And I'm not running towards them. Amen. I had somebody say to me, "Um, if it just saved one person's life, wouldn't you want a law for it? Well, maybe it depends on what we're talking about. If you're talking about taking the speed limit down to 12 miles an hour, because it might save one person's life, I'm probably not interested in that. If you're saying pass a law about abortion, because it might save one person's life, I'm in with a caveat. Okay? The church needs to wake up and recognize that law won't fix this, and we still have to be prepared to touch hearts. Right? Because you're not going to outlaw things. We haven't outlawed speeding, even though there's a law against speeding. Okay, keep reading. And their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed blood. Verse 17, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Do you see that that is saying that these people are are putting a trap out there in front of the people that can see the trap being made? <clears throat> people who are lonely and confused can be trapped by somebody spreading the trap with the right kind of honey. There you go. Isn't it great? That somehow these two people, David and Bathsheba and and three people and Solomon and whomever else was involved in getting this across to everybody, can come up with examples several thousand years ago that you read today and go, oh, you know, I've seen that happen. That's the depth of God's wisdom. Notice it says, verse 19, so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. Now, again, this is a path, this is a story that kind of solidifies the instruction in the first seven verses. But he puts people involved. He puts us involved. And he says, here's what this means. Here's how this is going to play out. And he says, they're greedy for gain. Now, this this is not something that you can do for someone else. Right? You, you, You can't. So here's what the world does. So let me give you a little bit of, of my idea. The, the top, you know, four five six percent of wealthy people in America pay about 50% of the taxes. But what do you hear people say? Let's tax the rich. Okay, there are rich people sitting in here based on asset value that they're in control of. And so what the world wants to do is to say to you, we're going to come and get some of that to make things equal. Who's greedy? The people who have the assets or the people that want them. But what does the world say? We can solve all our problems. You can't. Do you understand that you can't spend your way to debt-freeness? See, God's wisdom will get a hold of you and say, if you're spending more than you make, it's not going to end well. You say, well, it's just in payments. It's still not going to end well. Right? I don't know why anybody would want to pay 30 40% more than something's worth so that it can be broken when you get it paid off. How long does it take to save for that? I don't want to save for it. That takes too long. Exactly. Wisdom would pull your chain other direction, the world will say, you can pay us when you get a chance. That makes sense? See, he's giving you instruction. And people say, well, I don't know about this proverb stuff. Notice what it says. <coughs> so are the ways of everyone who is greedy. It takes away the life of its owners. It takes away the control of biological function. You are actually just like... Proverbs is going to say, the borrower is the slave of the lender. It's going to show you that these things are true. That makes sense. When you do that, the chain around your neck can be pulled by the people you're attracted to, the things you're attracted to. Did you see the story? Any it good? You say, no, it's not good. I didn't realize all that was in there. In fact, I don't like that you taught us that. <laughs> right. Well, because what happens? Wisdom has a requirement of accountability. Wisdom says, go ahead and judge me by the rules of God. Because even if I'm wrong, his grace is going to change me. Go ahead and judge me by the, you know, by the, by the person of God. And you say, wow, that's dangerous. It's only dangerous because you know what's in you that you shouldn't have in you, that he's trying to get out of you. Go ahead. Figure out which way your chain's being jerked. Amen? All right, so we'll pick this up next week and, and, and see, I, look at how far we got. 19, we're averaging... Um, uh, three, about six verses a week. We're awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And, I'll, and I will. It'll, it'll, it'll eventually pick up a little bit. And, and you'll see because we're going to go through these things. Here's your instruction. Here's your example. It's throughout the book of Proverbs. And so eventually we'll skip and pick and do some of those things a little better. Amen. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you, Father, that our teacher is the Holy Spirit. That he, Father, gives us. The wisdom and insight into what we need, Father, because he has been made wisdom to us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live. And you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.